You are listening to The Christian Commute, a commute-length podcast about Christian apologetics, theology, and other matters of Christian interest. Here is your host, Seth Dunn. It is Friday, September 29th. This is The Christian Commute. I am your host, Seth Dunn, and you can already tell I have the right microphone today. Or, you know, a microphone at all. I'm in the Kia Soul driving home from work. And I haven't timed this very well because I think the football game starts at 7 and I wanted to watch it at my house. And I'm not going to be home till at least 7.30. Anyway, it doesn't affect you. It affects me. <sighs> I know I haven't uploaded the shows this week, but there's a reason. During yesterday's show, I let it slip that someone from Protestia is at Andy Stanley's big gay teenager conference and is documenting all the heresy being spewed there in secret. And what I mean by in secret is not that the dude is there in secret. He bought a ticket and paid to go. But... They're not broadcasting and streaming this. They're being real sensitive about don't record this and show this because I don't think they want people to know just what kind of wickedness is being preached there. I know because an agent from Protestia is there documenting the stuff and working on news stories of just how heretical and gay-affirming North Point is. And I talked about that yesterday. But I didn't want to publish that podcast yesterday because the dude is still there. I think this is the last night of the conference. So I didn't want, not, not that any of the heretics at Andy Stanley's church listen to the Christian commute, but you never know how the internet can spread news like wildfire quickly. So in just in the interest of being safe, because they'll just kick the dude out if they know he's there to expose their heresies to the world. Uh, But yeah, that's what's going on. So I didn't want to publish that podcast, so I didn't publish the one from Tuesday or Thursday. But I've got the one from today, obviously right now, recording. Look for those stories to come out at Protestia soon. And it's probably safe to publish it now, because it's almost 7 o'clock on Friday. So by the time I get this published, either tonight or Saturday... It'll be too late for them to do anything about the guy being there. But it's really, really, really bad. Really bad. This is where seeker sensitivity has gotten us. <sighs> not us, not me. I mean, I'm not a member of one of these awful churches, but us as a society, us as evangelical Christianity in general. I mean, I condemn them anyway. Today's show topic is shacked up in church. And I'm just going to relate a little commentary to a question that was submitted in the inbox. So I'm going to do a great Paul Harvey transition from one thing to the other. And now you know the rest of the story. So the question in the inbox is about baby dedication. And who's having babies? Well, sometimes people who are shacked up. 
And as always, we have the Bible chapter review. Matthew chapter 25, verses 19 through 24. Matthew chapter 25, verses 19 through 24. We're still dealing with the parable uh, of the... What do you... I guess I should have looked at the headline. What do you... What, the, the lazy slave? What is the, what is the name of this parable? I'll try to remember it next time. It has a name. Parable of the Talents? And when we did the parable yesterday, remember the master of the house went on a journey, a long journey. We didn't know when he was going to be back. And he, he gives his slaves some money to manage. He gives one guy five talents, one guy three talents, another guy, I'm sorry, one guy five talents, one guy two talents, another guy one talent. The guy with five doubles the money. The guy with two doubles the money. The guy with one digs a hole and hides the money there. So, picking up right there. And by the way, we're not going to finish this parable today because it's really, really long. And I'm going to pick it up there. Come on. when You know what? Rarely do I want a light to turn red before I get there, but I want this light to turn red so I can just glance down at the note and read it. It didn't turn red. Let's see if I can get the next light to turn red. This thing, man, this is green all the way. The lights up there is turning red. Oh, here we go. I got it. Sorry for that. Turn red. I think that's the first time in my life I was ever like, yes, red light. Now, after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received the five talents came up and bought five talents, or brought five talent, five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. His master said, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Also the one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. So I have gained two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many. Enter into the joy of your master. Sorry for the pause. There was another light that turned yellow, and I said, I want to make this one. Now merging onto the freeway. No! 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 I'm stuck in stop-dead traffic. What happened? I could have went home an alternate way. Anyway, good thing I read that Bible chapter review. This could be a longer show than I planned. Hopefully. Uh, you know what? I have two cell phones, and I'm going to use the other one. Bear with me. I'm going to use the other one to tell me what the traffic deal is. Because there's still a chance for me to get off one exit up. People wrecking on Friday. I mean, nobody wrecks on purpose. Let me see here. Oh, whatever the problem is, it's right in front of me. So hopefully I'll get out of it soon. Let's go back to the parable of the talents here. The guys who doubled their money are all too happy to show their master upon his return what success they've had with the resources entrusted to them. Hey, man, look. You gave me five, I got you five more. Hey, man, look, you gave me two, I got you two more. And the master is pleased and 
complimentary. Well done, good and faithful slave. You have been faithful with a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Because, hey, they've done, they've done a lot with a little, so maybe they'll do a lot with a lot. And this parable is going to resonate with people then, and it's going to resonate with people now. That's how people go up through the ranks at work, in sports teams, in the army, in the coaching profession, you name it. Nobody just makes you king or president on day one or general. You got to sort of work your way up. Prove that you're trustworthy. Prove that you're responsible. And these guys were. And they get high praise from the master. And that's where we leave off in verse 24. The people who have doubled their money show themselves faithful with the little things and the praise they get from the master. And Lord willing, on Monday, because this took the whole sticky note, Lord willing, on Monday, we will see what happened to the guy who dug the hole and put the money in it. This ends the Bible chapter review. And, by the way, I just want to point something out. You know what? Never mind. I'm not going to point it out. I'm going to wait till tomorrow because tomorrow's question is about Jesus from the Gospels. And I think it'll fit in there. So just hold your horses. Just wait. I'll get to it next week. We're moving on to the inbox. And I can already tell that I don't I don't have enough show for you by the by the time I'm not gonna get home is what I'm saying. I'm I'm gonna be done well before I get home, I think. Ooh, what's going on up here? I'm 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 entering the area of the re- oh goodness. It looks like, from what I can tell, a tractor trailer has tipped over into the median. I don't know. I don't never know how that happens. Because I'm, I'm behind. They're always going like 50, 60 miles an hour in the middle lane. How do you tip it over? I don't know. But that's what's slowing me down. This question comes from James in West Virginia. And I think this is a guy who claims they have sweet tea in West Virginia. I'll believe it when I see it. James in West Virginia. And he's asking about baby dedication. He makes two points. He's like, one, is this biblical? Should we be doing this? And two, he's talking about a personal experience at his church where, was it his church or just one he was visiting? Uh, it was a Southern Baptist church. How about that? Where there was a baby dedication and the mother and father were up there on stage on the platform, I always try to call it a platform, not a stage, because it's not a place where people perform. And it's not an altar, because we're not making sacrifices there. Up there on the platform, and the mother and father who were dedicating the baby were not married. So we're going to talk about all that. First of all, is baby dedication biblical? In a very basic sense, yes, because that's what circumcision was. And our Presbyterian friends, they equate baptism in the New Covenant with, with circumcision in the Old, and that is why they sprinkle their babies and call it baptism. Okay. And it's a big deal in these denominations that do infant baptism to have your family come 
and watch you baptize the baby or sprinkle the baby. Oh, oh it's not a... Oh, it's a camper. Oh, that looks bad. It wasn't a tractor trailer. It was a camper. So much for your fall break camping trip, dude, on the side of the road. Okay. By the way, it's fall break, so there's probably going to be some traffic. Not for my schools, because my kids go to the city schools, but for the county schools, it's fall break. Here come the big tow trucks that they've sent in. Near, oh, the traffic on the other side is completely blocked. Every lane while they bring in the big tow trucks. I think I got out of that mess just in time. But anyway, it's fall break. And traffic's going to be bad today because people are going on trips. I'm going on a trip next week. I don't know. I think I mentioned that, that I'm going to Jekyll Island for another soccer tournament. And then, since we're already down there for fall break, we're going to St. Augustine. Anyway, let's get back to what our uh, uh, Pado Baptist friends are doing in church. They have, whether even even the Roman Catholics and the Anglicans and the Methodists, they have the baptism day for the baby. In the Catholic Church, you name a Godfather, and the Godfather goes up there and promises, like I'm going to, like if anything, I'm going to help raise this child. In, in Christianity, like I'm gonna fight the devil, you know. They're like, we're, we're I'm gonna stand with the, against the schemes of the devil with these parents. So it it's a big honor to be named the Godfather of somebody. Like we Baptists don't do that. Like if I died, what would happen? Well, my my parents or my brother would take my kids. But in Catholic world, you name that Godfather. That's a huge deal, and it's a part of the baby baptism. Because in, in Catholic world, that baby is getting grace bestowed onto it, saving grace by the church. In Lutheran world, the baby is being regenerated. I really can't tell you the Methodist theology behind it. It's probably similar to the... Well, I'm going to turn my GPS off. It's, I don't want to say it's similar to the Catholics because the Methodists don't believe in salvation by works like the Catholics do even though they are synergistic like that uh, I, I don't know their thing and uh, and the Presbyterians think hey this is this is like circumcision this it's equivalent to it under the new covenant and it's a big ceremony and people come and you go out to eat with your cousins your grandparents after and that's what they do so here we are in Baptist world and we don't do pedo baptism but we still want to show our baby off to the church, don't we? We, we still want to take the occasion to do that and have the grandparents come and the cousins come and say, hey, everybody, look at our new baby. Be happy for us. So what we've invented is baby dedication. We're not going to baptize that baby because that would be nuts. We're going to do baby dedication. Now, in the New Testament, we do not see this going on in the New Testament churches. And by the way, there's not a lot in the New Testament that says what's going on. You know, we show up to church and we sing, we pray, we give and do a sermon, but there's no handbook in the New Testament that says that's how you're supposed to do the Lord's Day. There's uh, the, the Didache, of course, is not scripture, but it was an early Christian document talking about what to do in church services. 
But anyway, like there's there's no such thing biblically as baby dedication. There is a such thing as baptism. There is a such thing as the Lord's Supper. And there is a such thing as singing. But baby dedication isn't a thing except for in the covenant community. In the Old Testament, you would circumcise your child. And what you're doing is you're setting that child apart as a part of the covenant community. So baby dedication, in my opinion, is more akin to circumcision than the pedo-baptism that the Presbyterians are doing. So there is some, James, tenuous biblical basis for it. And I can remember in my personal life, not that my personal life makes theology true or not, but when my original babies, my first twins, were getting old enough to be baby dedicated, I was at First Baptist Woodstock, and I, we left because they had the Ergen Canner debacle there, and I said, you know, Ichabod to this place, and then I didn't baby dedicate my babies. And it always bothered me that I didn't baby dedicate my babies. So when we got to Rolling Springs and had another kid, I dedicated even the ones who hadn't been dedicated yet. And uh, let's see here, I I, did, I I honestly can't remember at this point because I have so many kids. I have six. I don't really I don't know all their birthdays now. I don't remember if we baby dedicated the last one. We've done it once at First Baptist, even though we're not members. But I don't I don't remember which one it was. If it was Pierce or Evangeline. So, if you hadn't been baby dedicated, Evangeline, my apologies to you. Uh, but just, you know, God knows we dedicate our child to Him. So, that's why people do baby dedication. And it's a family thing, it's a church thing. You're sharing your joy and your blessing together. And it is a formal commitment. Like, when they do it at First Baptist Church, the church gets up and they, they repeat something. They say, you know, we pledge to help these people uh, raise this child in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Something along those lines. Like, we're going to hold them accountable for this, raising this kid in church. And we're all sitting there saying, we recognize the kid's not a Christian. But it's, it's a dedication to the parents formally before the church body to raise the child up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now, you're not dedicating him to be a preacher like, say, Samuel's mom did. Like, Samuel's mom literally dedicated him to the Lord, and when he was weaned, carried him over to the high priest and said, here you go, take this kid in the service of the Lord. Like, we're not doing that. We're just saying, we're pledging to raise this kid as a Christian Take him to church, teach him the Bible. And we're going to be a good Christian example to him. And even going back to the Old Testament, if you read deeply into it, they didn't have human sacrifice in Israel like they did in other places. But the firstborn child was supposed to be dedicated over to the Lord, but in place of sacrificing the baby, as you would with pagan gods, you were to sacrifice the sheep in place of that baby. By the way, that prefigures God sacrificing his only begotten for us in case you had missed that. So like I said, tenuous, tenuous biblical support for that. Now what about this situation that James has run into? 
because he said it just sort of fell wrong that an unmarried couple had got up there and they're dedicating their baby. Like, why are these people who were, I assume they're living in sin, why did they get up there and dedicate this baby? Now, uh, let, let's try to think of an example where some 15-year-old girl gets pregnant by her 17-year-old boyfriend and they both still live at home and they don't get married and they repent of their sin of fornication. So let's say they did it once. And they repent of their sin of fornication. The, the girl has the baby. She's going to live out. She's 15 years old. She's not old enough to move out yet. She hasn't got married. And, well, technically she is old enough to move out. That's what they did back in the day. But it's 15-year-olds don't move out in our society. And she's like, you know, I've, I've sinned. I messed up. I've repented of that sin. But here I have this baby. And I want to dedicate this baby to the Lord and his dad you know he he wants to too we're not shacked up living together you know what do you do in that situation I don't think that's the situation James is asking about I think it's a shacked up unmarried couple who've come together they're not married and they want to baby dedicate that baby and to, to this I say no think about this you're the let's just put it this way here's the situation you're the pastor of this church and you send the email blast out hey next Sunday is baby dedication day at First Baptist they give you a jar of marbles and they say this this jar of marbles represents the number of weeks you have with your child till they turn 18 to, to raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and you, you take a marble out for every week sort of like countdown they used to do gumballs but I think all the, the other kids in the family would chew up all the gum. So you send out the announcement. You know it's coming. And then, well, you're supposed to sign up on the website in modern times. Somebody signs up. Here, so-and-so is signed up. Okay? And you're the pastor, and you see so-and-so signed up, and, oh, it's this shacked-up couple, and they want to raise their baby in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I would bring them in and say, listen, I'm not going to allow you to make a baby dedication before the church because I don't want you to stand up and lie to the church and lie to God. Because you're not dedicated to raising this child up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You're not dedicating your baby to the Lord. You haven't even dedicated yourselves to the Lord. You conceived this baby in sin and now this baby lives at your house and He's in his nursery, and y'all are in your one bedroom sleeping together and still fornicating, shacked up. You are not showing any respect for the institution of marriage, and you're living in sin right now. You conceived this baby in sin, and you continue to, to live in sin. And it would take 30 minutes for you to go down to the courthouse and get a marriage license and get married by the judge. Or to go get it and then come to me and let me marry you. You don't have to spend a bunch of money on a wedding. I know you're... And like, these people could be saving up to do so. Like, we're not married yet because we're saving up for the wedding. We're saving up for the honeymoon. Like, what you need to be is married. And don't give any of this business that you're married in God's eyes, or you're married in your hearts, or you're engaged, and you're dedicated to one another, or you're doing this for tax reasons. You are living in sin so no 
I'm not going to dedicate your baby before the church. Not because it's a bastard baby. That's not why. Because, listen, we don't want to discriminate as Christians against the bastard babies. It's not their fault they're bastards. Okay? We don't want to make them feel ashamed for what their parents should be ashamed for. So, fine, if you guys want to come to church, come on to church. If you guys want to take your baby to the nursery, take him to the nursery. But what I'm not going to let you do is stand up formally before the church and say that you've dedicated this child to the Lord because you've not even dedicated your own lives to the Lord. So, go get married. Repent of your shacking up. Because you can say, oh, we repent of shacking up. Well, go get married. Demonstrate your repentance because you're not moving out. You know, you're not going to send you're not going to send your boyfriend away for six months till you have the official wedding date. You're just, it's, that's not that's not even you know what that's not the economically smart thing to do. So get married, and when you're married, I'll happily dedicate your formerly bastard baby. Is a baby still illegitimate if he's if his parents are married after he was born? What's the definition? So. For a child to be illegitimate, he has to be born and his parents aren't married. But if he's born and then his parents get married, does that legitimize him? I don't know. So I, maybe he's not a bastard anymore. I don't know. I don't know what that means. It has really no bearing on that child's soul or his inherent worth before God. But you were right, James, to feel uneasy about that because everybody's looking up there and thinking, we know these people are in sin. Why are we allowing them to have their cake and eat it too? Yes, I get that you want to stand up and have your nice little uh, ceremony there because you want your mom and dad to be there. Let me tell you something. I know times change. And one day... Who knows? I got three daughters. One of them might end up pregnant and not married. I'm going to tell you that if that happens, I'm going to love my grandkid to death, but I'm still going to be ashamed of my daughters and embarrassed. So there's probably some mother sitting there watching her, her shacked up daughter and her boyfriend, baby daddy, doing this ceremony and at once she's like I love my grandchild this is so nice that we're going through this but in the back of her mind she's embarrassed Okay, so number one I'd be like you're not going to embarrass your mother that's number two number one you're not going to lie to the church number two you're not going to embarrass your mother like this so they would just need to be called out that they're phonies that you're doing this for show you're doing this to have your tradition that we do when we dedicate babies and then y'all are going to go to Red Lobster after and take pictures and you're, you're, you bought a new dress for this but you, this is lipstick on a pig and your little faux family that you have here so yeah hey James it's okay to do the baby dedication as long as you're doing it for the right theological reasons as a church but I really can't see a right theological reason for allowing a shacked up company or a shacked up couple to do it. So you should have felt uneasy. And you know what you should do? You should go to the leaders of the church, the administrators who put on this ceremony and say, why did you allow this to happen? 
for the sake of the people. It's a little like telling people not to take communion unworthily, lest they heap condemnation upon themselves. If your heart's not right, if you've got some sin that you've not repented of, or if you've got something against your brother somehow that you need to get worked out, you don't need to be at the Lord's table because if you take communion unworthily, you're heaping condemnation upon yourself. That's ju- that's not just saying you have to be a Christian to take it. You do have to be a Christian to take communion, but you also need you need to be a Christian with your heart in the right place who's who's in a who's in a sort of I don't want to say if you're a Christian you're always in a right relationship with God, right? Because you've been reconciled to him through Jesus. Your sins paid for. But you you don't have some sin, ongoing sin that you need to be restored from is what I'm trying to say. So in the same way, we wouldn't want someone to take communion unworthily. We wouldn't someone. We wouldn't want somebody to dedicate their baby unworthily. It's like just for show. And that leads me into the show top show topic: shacked up people at church. What does it say, James, about the health of this church that shacked up people are doing baby dedication? I don't. Are they members? Are they? Sons are they sons and daughters of members? I don't know the specific situation, but let's say they're church members. Shouldn't they have already been disciplined for fornication? And shouldn't their demonstration of the repentance of that fornication be to get married if if indeed they live together? Now I want to tell you this, and this might be a controversial statement for some. If you have a girl, I'm going to just use it as this example, but you could flip this around. If you have a girl who's a Christian, and she has sex with a non-Christian, let's, I don't know if it's her boyfriend or, or what, let's say, hopefully, hopefully she's not some slut, so I mean, fornication's fornication, but you don't understand the difference between being a slut and a fornicator. Like, if, if you go out with somebody for six months and you, you start having sex with, with him, then you're not a slut. You've, you've dated this person for six months, but you're a fornicator. Now, if you go out with somebody for six, six days and have sex with him, and then you go date somebody else for six minutes and have sex with him, well, you're a slut and a fornicator. You see the difference? So we don't want anybody to be a slut or a fornicator. But let, let's just say this girl, she's not a slut. She's, she has this boyfriend. He's not saved. They've dated for six months. He's gotten her pregnant. Now she's had a baby. Should she marry that guy? And the answer is no, because Scripture says, do not be unequally yoked. Why would she put herself into a marriage relationship with a non-believer? You don't sin for the sake of a kid. Okay. You don't sin for the sake of a kid. So if you've got this situation in your church where you have the girl who's gotten pregnant by her non-Christian boyfriend, the f- first thing you want to approach her and say, hopefully before she gets pregnant, is, Hey, Betty Sue, I notice you're dating so-and-so. He's not a Christian. You should break up with him. Because if you're not dating to it with an eye towards marriage, you're dating with an eye towards fornication. And what fellowship does light have with darkness? 
you only really need to be dating or courting a fellow Christian. Obviously, that ship has sailed. Now she's pregnant. Okay, now what you say this, all right, there's no reset button on baby. There's no control Z for babies. I mess up on the computer all the time. Control Z, undo. All right, now my spreadsheet's back like it was before. I shouldn't have done that. There's no control Z for a baby. Sorry, there's not. Yeah, abortion is not control Z. That's murder. That's another sin. So if you've got a situation with a girl like that, and she's repented, she still lives at home, she's like, all right, I'm, I've, I'm not having sex with this person anymore. Obviously, he's always going to be in her life because they have a child together. Maybe one day he'll get saved. Perhaps they could get married then. I don't know. But there's a level of church discipline there that sort of ends with saying, hey, Betty Sue, you need to repent. Do you repent of your sin? Yes, I do. Fine. Let Betty Sue do her baby dedication if it comes up. But let's say you got some people, they're like, I don't know, they're 28. They're 28 years old. And they show up to your church. And they're probably going to show up to a seeker-sensitive church, if I had to guess. I don't know why they've showed up to yours. If you have shacked up people showing up to your church and wanting to be there, you've probably got a problem with your church. Like, why do they want to be with you? Why, why do they not feel uh, convicted of their sin? I'm not saying kick them out of the worship service. I'm just saying, why? Well, what are they doing there? Like, if, if, if you don't like yogurt, why are you at Baskin-Robbins? That sort of deal. So let's say a situation where you have church members church members, and this is weird because people don't take church membership seriously anymore, but if you've got church members who are shacked up, you don't ever need to get to the question of what do you do during baby dedication week? Because they're shacked up, you say either get married or have one of you move out or you're not going to be members of this church. Because unless you repent, we're going to kick you out. Because you're being, you're shacked up. And I, this seems really harsh. It's almost like using a baby as evidence. Like, um, we didn't know you guys were fornicating together. We knew you were boyfriend, girlfriend. That's fine. But all of a sudden, now you're pregnant. So we know you're fornicating together. So now you have to enter the church discipline process. You see how this works? If it happens within the church, you enter the church discipline process, there's no control Z button on that baby, and hopefully they repent. But what you can't have, because now your church is in sin for not viewing itself as holy, what you can't have are shacked up people as church members. You just can't have it. And it's, it seems harsh, like you're going to kick people out in need because when you have a baby, you're in need. No, you're not going to kick people out in need. You're going to kick unrepentant people out, whether they're in need or not. And I got news for you. Everyone's in need. We all need that koinonia spiritual fellowship from other Christians. You could have a million dollars, and you don't need a baby shower because you got a million dollars. And let's face it, some of these people are 28 years old, shacked up. And they have a baby. They're not in finance. They're 28 years old. They got money. They ain't worried about it. It's not like you're kicking some teenage girl out on the street. And that happens, sadly. Like, parents kick their kids out of the house. You're pregnant. I'm kicking you out of the house. What are you doing? Okay? But church membership is a different thing. 
if you're not putting out the shacked up people, you don't understand the holiness of the church. So James, going back to your question, it's not a question, I mean, you've got the question, it's a good one. Is, is baby dedication biblical? All right, let's just scratch that one out and put it to the side. All right. Then there's the other thing. Should we be baby dedicating people who are shacked up? Scratch that out and put it to the side. Why are they even there if, in fact, they're church members? Now, if, if they're people who've just started attending, because that's what people do. They, even, even the people who are shacked up, they start having kids. They're like, oh, well, I've got a kid. I've got to take this kid to church now. I haven't been to church in five years, but I've got a kid. that This kid doesn't know who Moses is. I, 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 that's what you do. It, we, I have a kid. What am I supposed to do? Well, i got to take him to church. I'm a, I, it's like in here in our culture, it's, like it's indecent if you haven't taken your kid to church. Forget what they teach there. Forget what kind of church it is. You just got to do it. I think maybe that's changing in our culture, but the idea of having a kid and not taking him to church is like, whoa, it's a bridge too far even for shacked up people. So, and on one hand, you're going to be happy that the shacked up people are visiting their church, your church with their kid, because you want to evangelize that child. And you want to evangelize those shacked up people. But they really can't be allowed to enjoy the privileges of church membership. So don't let them do it. So, like I said, Jim, talking about visitors is one thing. Like Alan Iverson. Practice? We're talking about practice? It's sort of the Alan Iverson of church thing. Visitors? We're talking about visitors? Like, they're just visitors. You, the church has no authority to church discipline them. They're not church members. Okay? We're trying to evangelize them into a relationship with Christ. Then they could be church members. Okay? Then they can get baptized. And everybody's happy. But if you've got people who are members who are shacked up, man, how what, what are you doing? And there's a level of tolerance there, by the way. At what level do you tolerate unholiness? Because you can drill down to this. It's fall. It's football weather. So your local high school, if it hasn't had homecoming already, is going to have it soon. Every year, I notice that the teenage girls at the football stadium at homecoming look more and more like streetwalkers. Now, I think it's fine to have a homecoming dance and buy a homecoming dress and have a homecoming court and vote on the homecoming court and the homecoming queen and dress up and have a nice night. I think that's all nice and wonderful and fine. But those skirts keep inching up. The Bible does not say two inches above the knee, three inches above the knee. You know immodesty when you see it. And those, I guess I should call them hemlines because they're dresses. The hemlines keep inching up. The backs and the sides of the dresses keep disappearing further. And that's just on homecoming night. But what I'm starting to notice, especially at college, because I've been, I've been to Tuscaloosa twice this year. And for some reason, like, 
is that a sorority house or a horror house? Because the way you're dressed, I couldn't tell. Women dress up like trollops to go to the football game now. But you walk by that student section at the high school football game, and what I see is the epic failure of youth ministry culture. Because I live in the Bible Belt, and I walk by there, you know what I say? Cross point. This is the cross pointing of Cartersville, where I am. Like th This is the standard of holiness at Cross Point City Church. I bet... Because it's a big church. And I said, I, there, there's probably a good number of these kids who go to Tabernacle or First Baptist or the Church of God. But there's a big chunk of cross point. I don't even mention the mainline denominations because I, they're not saved. I don't consider them Christians. They've abandoned the faith. They've abandoned Scripture. There's probably people saved at cross point, even though they go to cross point. There's probably people saved at the Church of God. And there's people saved at Tabernacle and First Baptist. You know why I didn't mention the Presbyterian Church in America because their kids wouldn't show up dressed like that. But the lack of holiness starts there. Because when you have parents who are going to send their kids out to the homecoming dance or the student section dressed like trollops, and then they're going to send their kids off to college dressed like trollops and then they show up on game day I saw a relative I will not name my relative but it's one of my relatives who just graduated from Christian high school she was going to her first college football game posts on Facebook here's my first college football game with my family trollop you look like a trollop don't show up at my house at Christmas looking like that I will tell you you look like a trollop. Okay? Trollops. Whores. Whatever you want to call them. You dress like a slut. Why should I not think you're a slut? You dress like a whore. Why should I not think you're a whore? What you're not dressed like is a Christian. If I really, if I really wanted to be real IFB, I'd say harlot. They are, they're out here dressed like harlots. But really... You go to that student section and you see girls that you know. It's just it's statistics. It's in the Bible Belt. If there's 50 girls standing there, 20 of them at least are in a youth group at a Baptist church. It's just stats, man. And they're dressed like trollops. You know why? Because their parents, who are members of the church, don't have an appreciation of holiness. The church writ large doesn't because they don't say anything to the youth and the parents. So, of course, what's the next logical step you're going to have? You're going to have shacked up people with babies trying to baby dedicate them. That's what you're going to have. James, that's how it happens. Now, listen, there is nothing going to stop pregnancy that's going to happen because we're made to have babies and we get to be a certain age and it's a young age and we start to notice the other sex and that's just going to happen in church and out that's just going to happen it's how the church handles it that's a testament to the idea of the holiness of the church 
And I really think now it's being handled toward antinomianism. That's how I think it's... When, that, that's what it gets down to, James. When you have baby dedication like you talked about, it's antinomianism. That's what it is. Now, the other side, the, that coin that you can get to is being like legalistic and hateful. And by the way, if you were to go tell those teen girls that they looked like trollops, that's, that's what... That's what they would take. That's how you would be viewed at a lot of churches. Now, listen. (laughs) Even I, your autistic host, who says what he thinks, even I know not to go up to a 17-year-old girl that I go to church with and say, Betty Sue... You look like a trollop. Why are you dressed like that? What I would do is go to her dad and say, Hey, we're members of the same church. We're trying to represent Christ. Your daughter represents you. You need to do something about that. Homecoming's over. Can't go buy another dress. But next year... When they're doing the sorority groups going to the football games, is she going to be dressed like that again? Like, you haven't taught her right. Oh, and by the way, the marbles in your jar, there aren't that many left at this point. You're failing. Oh, and by the way, why do they want to be in a sorority again? Because those are big keg parties. You can see it on Sunday and the way people dress. Whether you're going to have shacked up people at baby dedication. You don't think holiness matters? (laughs) You don't think, I don't want to say sexual purity matters. You don't think a Christian sexual ethic matters? (laughs) Wait till these stories come out of this Andy Stanley conference. Because that's where we're headed. If you don't get that hemline down and that, I almost said, I almost said, but I stopped myself. I almost said that bastard baby off the stage and that shacked up couple off the platform at baby dedication day. Thank you, James, for your question, which I transitioned into that show topic. And thank you, James, for your other question. By the way, I have a, he sent the question to SethDunn88 at gmail.com. I had been out of them. He sent me another one, Lord willing to use on Tuesday. It's about eisegesis, so I'll get to that. So thanks for sending in the question. Uh, I need to go to the post office. I'll stop the show when I get to the post office. I got to get my neighborhood letters out of the post office. Oh, my second job. Two jobs. Thanks for listening to The Christian Commute. Keep your hen lines down and your fornicators off the baby dedication stage. Because Christianity is not about getting saved. It's about being saved. God bless. And I look forward to being with you next time on The Christian Commute. Thanks for listening to The Christian Commute. Please send your questions about Christian apologetics and theology to SethDunn88 
at gmail.com. If you are not a Christian, please remember that you can be reconciled to God through the shed blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Repent of your sins now and accept Jesus as Lord. God bless.